Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Welcome back to Creation Innovation. Today we are talking with Robin Birkin. Welcome, Robin. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me and so thrilled that we finally get to connect. Yes. I'm just going to read her amazing bio real quick. She is a globally renowned podcaster and life coach, anti-burnt-out online marketing strategist, strategist, and IVF mama of two. With nearly a million downloads on her podcast, The Fertility Warriors, and more than 1,400 clients from across the globe, Robin is a leading authority on emotional well-being for women navigating infertility, loss, and trying to conceive, and the number one business strategist for women in health and wellness who want to grow their authority and create a business that nourishes and enriches their lives. That is amazing. Thank you, Robin, again for being here. My pleasure. Where do we even start with all of that? Oh, that is such a good question. And I was reflecting this morning as I was getting ready that so often in our lives, thing you know, you could not pick what you would be doing in 10 years time. And we get really stuck on plans. So whether people are listening are also health and wellness practitioners, or whether they're women who are navigating really big and complex fertility journeys. I never, 10 years ago, I was working in corporate marketing, (laughs) never would have dreamt that I would be where I am now and that my life would have panned out this particular way. So we can get really fixed on plans and the way we envisaged things happening. But I guarantee that for most people, life will take you in a different direction. Right. And also, I feel like I've heard myself say this a few times this last couple of weeks is you feel like this is the rest of your life right now, mm-hmm. you know, like the, you know, in that fertility journey specifically, right? Like, well, when will this ever end? And it feels so heavy. And I keep reminding people, you will get to the other side. This this feels like it's been forever. And for mm-hmm. some people, it's more than others. But you will get move on to something else. And then it will lead you to whatever your next path in life is, whatever that may be. And it, you know, it may not be leaving your corporate job and now doing what you and I do, but it will definitely change the trajectory of your life because it's Mm -hmm. impossible for that particular fertility journey not to leave a stamp on your life in some form or fashion. But we feel like things are so heavy and so permanent at that time. And we don't realize that when you look back in hindsight, it actually wasn't so. Yeah. And I... The phrase that I really love or the word that I really love is pivot. Um, Life pivots. We pivot in life all of the time. So we can get really caught up, especially in our fertility journeys with, yeah, like you say, am I going to be here forever? And I'm always like, trust me, like a 100% hand on heart, I promise you will not be an old 55-year-old lady feeling the way that you feel today. And it's okay 
in life to pivot at whatever crossroad that is for you. If you want to pivot and go from trying naturally to going to a fertility clinic, that's okay to pivot from the plan, right? It's not quitting. It's not being a failure. It's not any of those things. It's just pivoting and changing, like changing and evolving in your life and really giving yourself permission to do that, I think is really powerful. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I was saying again earlier today that so many people that I see are very type A and they think they have their <laughs> life all planned out and, you know, have their big corporate job, like you said, and this, 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 I'm going to have my 2.5 kids by the time mm-hmm. I'm, you know, 25 or whatever. And having the, the space to now know that other people have gone through different journeys that have made them pivot in their life, whether they wanted to or not, I think brings this new generation of young women and men for that matter to see, okay, maybe it isn't going to be just exactly what we thought it would be, even if we are type A and even if we are trying to control all the controllables to the best of our ability, we're going to get curveballs that are going to force us to look at something in a different way. And how has your journey kind of again, forced you to look at life in a different way. And and it sounds like a completely different lens, although still kind of the marketing hat to a degree. Mm-hmm. But how how did that kind of come full circle for you after, I, I don't know what you, kind of your starting age was with your fertility journey or what was the point that actually started to get you to start to pivot in your life? So I we started trying to conceive when dead on when I turned 30 and we had just like you I'm classic type a I was the driven career woman I was used to the equation that hard work equals success so I was the youngest marketing manager at the last three firms that I was at and I loved my work I worked really long hours I got some cool perks like VIP tickets to see ACDC and the police and Fergie was the headliner. I got VIP tickets to sports games. But it was, I existed in burnout at the same time. And that was fine. That, you know, that was how I rolled. And we were like, check, bought a house, check, round the world trip. And so just before my 30th birthday, we went on a whirlwind round the world trip and we had Christmas in Paris, hello, and New Year's Eve in New York, also hello. Like, And it was this real thing of this is what my life is going to be like, check at you know, when I turn 30, check for my 30th year, I'm going to get pregnant and I'm going to have a baby and my life is going to be regimented in these, you know, like stages of my life. So classic type A, I'm going to go see a naturopath. I'm going to do a preconception plan so that how, I get how you know, forward of you already at that age. I'm very impressed, Robin. I know. And so I was, I was like classic type A. I'm going to get on top of this. I'm going to be the one who just conceives like that, gets pregnant the first try because I checked all the boxes and did right. all the, I had the to-do list. Um, and then it didn't happen. <laughs> and you just feel so... like it starts off and you feel really thrown by it and then you're like hang on like I did everything right I worked hard this should work my naturopath's like 
you are like so healthy. You've got all of the pieces of the pie in place. I'm stumped. And then it was this slow process of continually having to give myself permission for the next step. Okay, we're going to need to go to a fertility clinic. Like I did, I I find that with fertility warriors, there's two camps. There's the people who are like, just get me into the fertility clinic as soon as possible because this show needs to get on the road, which was me. I was like, yeah. let's let's just make this happen. What do we need to do to make this right. happen? But there's also this other camp of people who are like, uh, no, we could try naturally for a bit longer. And there's that real resistance, like two camps. There's, you know, anyway, so I was like, get the show on the road, get me the appointment, do whatever it takes. Like, what do you want? You want me to skip right forward to IVF? I'll do that. They're like, no, not really. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I was prepared. Um, and we were still, we were two years of trying to conceive before we ended up having our first IVF cycle. And I really subscribed to the belief up until that point that like hard work equals success, that, you know, things needed to pan out a particular way. And particularly that I just needed to power through until we got to the other side, like just head down, bum up. I like, I don't know if that, if people use that phrase, you know, in North America as well, um, but that's what we talk about in Australia, like head down, bum up, steam forward, you know, just push through until we get pregnant, like whatever it is, suck it up. And what happened on my first IVF cycle was I landed a moderate case of IVF, uh, OHSS, hyperstimulation. Mm. I was a very slight 54 kilograms at the time, which it always gets me in pounds. But if we think about in pounds, maybe like a hundred and 10, 120 pounds. So I was slight and I had seven kilos of fluid. So probably about 15 pounds of fluid suffocating my insides. Um, So if anybody's listening is not aware of what she's talking about, if you're doing a retrieval, sometimes you can, the medication and the ovaries, the follicles, they get overstimulated. And then after you do your retrieval, you are, you're not feeling so good. Needless to say. Yeah. So just because it like because you've been through this hyperstimulation and or this super ovulation, and then some people can get sick. If you have particular risk factors, um, you can end up with you know just fluid, so much fluid. So you're really dehydrated, but at the same time, there's just free floating fluid in your body. So my um, like stomach was right up where my lungs are supposed to be. I could barely walk, and I was scary in the bed with my husband and being like, this is just the worst. I've just had gone through IVF, obviously major. I've been trying to keep it all together at work. I've been trying to just push through. Now I've got hyperstimulation. But New Year's Eve, found out I was pregnant. Huzzah. Then found out not two days before we were supposed to hear the heartbeat that the pregnancy wasn't viable. And I was distraught and this was the moment that I thought to myself like this no I can't push through that's a crap strategy it's actually a really crap strategy I can't just push through my emotions because actually what's going to happen if two three four five years down the track I'm still 
trying to conceive. I'm still finding out what's wrong. And that is a very real reality for some of us. Right. And I was like, actually, if I want, you know, if this is going to look like either I just stop because I actually can't physically and emotionally handle it anymore or I figure out a different way. And so, you know, I had the pregnancy loss and we very last minute, like we had to go through a special urgent passport approval process, decided we were going to go to Lombok in Indonesia. So it's a lot quieter than like Bali, for example, and literally where we stayed was even quieter. So it was a tiny surf resort. There was like five total guests there, including myself and my husband, and there was nothing to do. There were no shops. There was no anything. There was a pool and there were like you got included in the package. It was all inclusive. You got one massage a day. That was it. And even this was so far from the type of person that I was. When we went on this round-the-world trip, it was like, to, you know, it was four nights in New York, five nights in L.A. When we went around Europe, it was like two nights here, two nights here, do all the things, go to the next thing. Right. So that was how I existed in my life. I listened to podcasts on 1.5 speed. Right. That was how I existed in my life. And mm-hmm. this was this turning point that I was like, no, I can't live my life this way. I actually, my mindset is something that's actually going to impact me on so many other levels, including my physical health, that before that I had never even considered that managing my stress was a thing. (laughs) Dealing with my emotions was a thing. I never knew this. No one taught us this. We learned physical education at school. We learned uh, like sex education at school. No one taught us how resilience or how to healthily cope through your emotions. So as many of us do, I went through this process of saying, oh, actually, I'm going to need to cope better. Let's figure out how to do that. Uh, And then it was this gradual, I guess, change in my life of continually giving myself permission to step away from the plan the timeline of how I thought my life would go. This is what everyone else is doing. Cool. Why is everyone else doing that? Has like society has told us that that's how it has to be. Well, I can actually write a different narrative for my life that works for me, that works for my family. And I I then had another IVF cycle several months later. And it was the very first time that I felt really calm through and centered through the two-week wait. I remember I went out to dinner with a friend and we went to an Indian restaurant and I sat there outside the restaurant as we were leaving and I was rubbing my tummy and I was like, you know what, I just feel really great about this cycle, feel really calm. I'm feeling so different to all of the other cycles, even when we were trying naturally before that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't have a magical story that ends with, and then I, you know, magically manifested that I got pregnant that cycle. No, it failed. And the true test was I was still okay. And what were you doing during that time? I know you guys went to Indonesia and you you started to slow down. What within that slowing down, what were some tools that you started to do that you thought, okay, I'm, I'm actually calmer during this time yeah. than I was before because I'm doing X, Y, Z. Hmm. What was the X, Y, Z? 
Um, so I'm going to tell you some of the things that I did, but plot twist. Yes. A lot of it wasn't about things that I did. It was more about self-awareness and giving myself grace and allowing myself the op- like the opportunity to say, hang on, what do I really want? Where And so a lot of it was in relation to self-awareness. And so one of the things that I've taught for the longest time is you have like your thoughts, which then lead to your feelings, then influence your behavior, um, which then leads to your experience of the world, right? So there's someone called Joe Dispenza, I think, who talks about this um, as well. A lot of what we do when we have feelings, when we have, um, you know, like we're going through something really rough and we're like, oh my God, I need to adjust my behavior, right? I'm feeling these really big feelings. Okay, I'm going to adjust my behavior. What do I need to do? Well, Mm -hmm. actually it started way up with the thoughts that you had and the the way that you did or didn't give... um, credence to those thoughts right um so we can sit there like and I'm going to tell you I will tell you everyone about some of the behaviors that I had but so like this is where I think we get really lost I'm feeling really crap what do I do I'm going to meditate cool that's great um but let's take a step back and make sure that we are also learning about metacognition and our brain if you're if you tell yourself, I'm garbage if I don't become a mother, there's a real difference between then being like, oh my God, my life is going to end and then like having that thought spiral of doom versus being like, actually, no, no, I'm not. My life will be perfectly fine. I will pivot. Like it will not be the plan that I set out for myself, but actually whatever happens, I'm going to have an incredible life. So you not everything our brain tells us is true. And you like, we know this, not everything that we read or hear or see is something that we need to believe yet somehow when it comes to, and you know, I'm a regular human being. I have thoughts. I have had these thoughts before, but there is so much power in saying, hang on, do I choose to invest my emotional energy in this thought or is, you know, do I need to believe everything that my brain tells me? And there's a well-known comedian that had a phrase that said, I used to think that my brain was the most powerful organ in my body. And then I remembered who was telling me that. <laughs> um, so we don't need to believe everything. If I told you that, you know, right. aliens were going to drop down from space any minute or like there's an alien right behind your head right now, you'd be like, yeah, sure, Robin. And we need to do that kind of stuff with our brain. Is this really Absolutely. the case, you know, or isn't it? Right. Um, but one of it started with teeny tiny little things. So one of the most simplest and easiest things that I did in addition to really looking at understanding my brain because that's so easy. It's like not a to-do list. It's once you know it, you know it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I started writing a gratitude journal. Such an easy thing. And it was really simple things. So every night I would go to bed and I would write down three things that I'm grateful for. Not like I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my job. I'm grateful for my house. It was trying to find all different things and really teeny tiny things. And our brains have a negative bias. So um, something along the lines of 
80% of the thoughts that we have in our brains are negative thoughts. 95% of them (laughs) are the exact same thoughts we had yesterday. Like it's not different and unique thoughts. Um, And a huge proportion of the thoughts that we have are worst case scenario thoughts. They did a study and 85% of the time, the worst case scenario actually never happens. For 79% of people for whom the worst case scenario did happen, they said, actually, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) So we're really caught up. Right. We make it worse than it needs to be. Yeah. And so one of the really easy things you can actually do to start shifting the negative bias in your brain the things that our brain does are, are essential and they're, they've been pivotal in how we've survived. They just don't always serve us in today's society. So one of the really good things that you can do to start shifting the way that your brain works and the thoughts that you have is to start something like a gratitude journal. Because what happens is you get about three weeks in to writing a gratitude journal and really simple, tiny, mundane things. Oh my God, i had a really great coffee today. I loved that. I got to work five minutes early. Fab. I saw a butterfly in the garden and that was awesome. I had a really great bagel for lunch. And then all of a sudden what happens is you start going through the day rather than being swept up in everything that could go wrong. You're like, oh damn, I've got to write like three things today (laughs) that are different from yesterday that are things that have gone well in my life or that I'm grateful for. And so you spend the day being conscious and looking out for what is going right rather than being consumed by what is going wrong. And it starts to shift the negative bias in our brain. So the really simple thing that I did, the other thing that I did was I started And there's studies to show as well, Robin, that being in gratitude, you can't be in gratitude and anxiety at the same time. So it's not just like the fluff of saying, oh, do a gratitude journal and that will help you on your journey. Like there are studies that have shown when you do that practice and you get into a regular practice of that, you will shift your energy and the physical being of yourself in that. It's it's almost impossible not to. So if you feel like you're doing it and nothing's happening, stick with it because it will start to shift. And I think that's another thing in life, right? We We want things on our own timeline, not on when the universe is ready to give it to us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's really hard when your brain is in fight or flight, it's like we're in a life or death situation. It's actually really hard for your body to be having that kind of reaction when you're like, oh, look, there's a beautiful butterfly outside. I'm really grateful for that. It's really hard for our bodies to do that. So things that seem really can seem really simple and insignificant You know, we want big things like, well, I meditated for three hours a day. No, it's like tiny little one percenters that add up to big change. Um, And so the other thing that I did was I started saying affirmations and I read affirmations in a couple of books. One was a book by a lady called Chris Carr, who is has a very rare form of cancer and is very well known in terms of plant based nutrition. 
and I bought one of her books and she wrote in that that she does it. And then I read another book from a lady called Jess Ainscoff, who has sadly now deceased. Um, but she also wrote that she would write affirmations. She would say affirmations. And I just started doing it. And when I started, I was like, whatever, you know, I, I truly and deeply love and accept myself. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. whatever, <laughs> like, what is this crap? Um, and, but then after a while, it just starts to become second nature and you start to really start showing yourself self-kindness. And one of the things I now teach is also what I call halfway affirmations, right? So we don't have to always make, especially when we start these big grand statements, we can also say things like, you know what, I try my best. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I am a work in progress. I'm going to be gentle with myself today. And so we can always start with halfway affirmations and sometimes also just answering back to our brains and trying to foster that default brain has a thought not allowing, like not leaving it there, answering back, you you know, this isn't going to work. Is it? (laughs) Who am I to do this? I don't know. Who am I not to? You know, just having that answering back and starting that simple process um, as well. And I remember my second pregnancy was I had a complication that was really quite serious. I went to one of my obstetrician appointments and she like laid it on thick like this could go wrong this could go wrong this could go wrong let's do this let's do this and I left the appointment being like oh dear like this is this this has got real now and I remember just the car ride being home being like everything's gonna pan out everything's gonna pan out everything's gonna pan out and that's it's a 10 minute car ride which seems like a really short car ride. But if you say to yourself, you know, a phrase like everything's going to pan out for 10 minutes, you've said it a lot of times. But by the time I got home, I was like, you know what? Everything's going to pan out. (laughs) It's going to be fine. Um, So really just simple things like that. I didn't do big grand gestures like, you know, meditating for 12 hours a day. I did really simple and little things. And I love that. I I also say about the the affirmations that – it may not resonate with you to its fullest, right? But find what does. So if it's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. If you really don't feel okay, I'm on my way to be okay, right? You can get your head around that. Like, I'm on my way to being okay. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. And then maybe tomorrow you can actually feel into, yeah, I'm okay. Whatever it is, whatever your statement may be, I really love that halfway affirmations because it is important for you to be in a state where you can believe that, right? No matter, even if it's just the 1% of you that actually does believe it's going to pan out, right? There has to be some little place where you you can get there. And maybe you need to tweak that statement for a day or two that gets you to get there. And then you can shift it to the grander statement, so to speak. I really love that. Day one might be 1%, but day two might be 2%. A thousand percent. I agree. Yes. And you surprise yourself I think when you're able to stick with it as well, right? I think Mm -hmm. so many, we're looking for that instant gratification, that instant change of, okay, I meditated for five minutes. I don't feel any better. I did 
affirmations for two days. I don't feel any better. I wrote in my journal for with gratitude and I don't, you have to commit to this, commit to yourself Mm -hmm. and knowing that when you're ticking off those boxes of saying I've done all the things, I've done all the things for a significant time to know, okay, yeah, that really didn't work for me. Or you know what? It actually did Mm -hmm. work for me. Right. And I think that's where a lot of us don't allow that grace of time to Mm -hmm. say, I need to be easy with myself and, and give it some time. Yeah, and it's just like going to the gym, right? So we go to the gym, yeah. you know, <laughs> I do it. I go to the gym once and I'm outraged that I've like not completely transformed my body. But the reality is you go to the gym consistently for four months and then after only after you've been consistent for four months, then you'll start to, you know, experience change, uh, whatever the change right. is. It's the same in, you know, we have to do the work we see the reward later. There's a delayed, I guess, response to that. And also I would add, you know, just in the same way as going to the gym or doing anything, sometimes the basic, it's the basic little things that you probably like sometimes know already that are the things that will work for you. So we're always looking for silver bullets and grand major things. Sometimes that's not always the case. Like do the basics, give it some time, and then see what happens. Amazing. I couldn't agree with you more. So let's talk about business strategy and yes. helping people through that. Walk us through that a little bit. If somebody's listening and they're maybe mm-hmm. they are in a nine to five and they're thinking about jumping ship and doing their own thing or whatever that might look like for them, how can you help them on their path to strategize their business? So one of the like the big changes that I've made in my life is moving from corporate into having my own business. And it all actually started really quite innocently. And I know that so many people will resonate with the feeling of wanting to give back, like wanting to give back to their community, wanting to give back to others who are walking in their footsteps. And that was very much how I felt. And so I first started dabbling in websites when I had a big team. And they would come to me with questions and I was like, oh, I'm going to need, how to le- need to learn how to build a website in order to support them. Then I had a random food blog. <laughs> and one day I was, talk- I, you know, I was talking to one of my, I guess, network or friends. And she was like talking about wanting to speak more to my fertility journey. And this was way back when. So I want to say about 2016, 2017. And she was like, why don't you start a podcast? And there wasn't really a lot of resistance. I was like, okay, <laughs> I figured it out and I started a podcast. Next minute, the fertility warriors, you know, people are talking about like fertility warrior as a phrase. We've got a million downloads. I, I mean, when I think of the of a million, that's a big number. I'm like, who, who, who's been listening to this podcast? There's so many people. Yeah. Um, and so many downloads, and I'm so incredibly grateful to have had that. And nothing, I'm sure you'll agree, quite compares to the feeling of having people send you messages on Instagram that say that you've changed their lives. And marketing and advertising, I've had a 20-year career. We've, I've had, I've done big budgets. I've done one-day events. And I think it was 
in it was at the end of 2019 the before the beginning of 2020 and I launched a mastermind so a mastermind for anyone who doesn't know is like a very high touch coaching experience so you get a lot of access to the person running it sometimes like there's curriculum but there's also like that back and forth and curriculum but also the collective group coaches together so that you see well what is everyone else working on and what is the advice they're receiving so that you lift everybody up as a group and so I started a mastermind and it is still going and I love it we also have an online course called launch easy life and again with the you know circling back to the beginning of this conversation of giving ourselves permission to pivot I have really leaned in in the last six months to allowing myself to continue to support women on their infertility journey indirectly by helping the helpers, helping all of the people who say, I want to give back. I want to be a life coach. I want to be a fertility coach. I want to be a nutritionist, whatever that is and whatever lights them up. Just when they say that, leaning into my expertise, my coaching, and, you know, indirectly supporting fertility warriors through that lens. Because one of the biggest lessons that I've also learned on my fertility journey is, well, number one, life gets to be whatever you make it, but life also gets to be really simple. And just the importance of not having a career that exists in burnout, that includes rest and so many beautiful things. So um, we ran our last round of my life coaching program in August, September, and I'm now fully focused on really supporting other people to grow and to scale their businesses. So we have our Instagram account at Robin Birkin. The Fertility Warriors podcast still has 215 episodes for anyone who's like, no, just give me the fertility support. But by and large, my programs and my paid offerings are now tailored to supporting other practitioners within health and wellness. And if I've had one big lesson over the last year, it's that growing, like there's so many people out there. There's an Instagram coach. There's a this, there's a that. But if all they have done is market, learn how to market to other businesses, it's actually really different to marketing and growing a business that supports, you know, Mary or Catherine who doesn't have a business. It's actually really different. And People aren't, people don't know necessarily, you know, like always what a masterclass is or link in bio. And so sometimes right. the advice that we get from like business coaches or, you know, Instagram coaches or whatever it is, it's actually not the same advice that really supports people, you know, who are in a business to consumer. And even in terms of pricing, like a lot of that pricing is just really not going to be accessible for Catherine down the road. So learning how to right. build a successful and a thriving business that supports front-end consumers uh, is a different ballgame. So that's how I support people. That's amazing because I think that the similar to how I see it, it's this ripple effect, right? The more people that you're helping, then they can go on and help other people and it's, it's for the greater good, so to speak. So it's not that your heart is not tethered to where it once was. It's just on a different level. And I think that that's really beautiful because the more 
we know that this whole situation of wellness and fertility and all the things is not going away. So how can we curate that information to help other people then go on to help others? And I think that's amazing yeah. because so many people have the idea, but they don't even know where to start. And it's much different to market yourself in a business than it is to market a product or you know be part of a marketing team in corporate or whatever. And the fact that you're helping others to do that is awesome. So good for you. Yay. Thank you. And I just think as well, you know, back when I was trying to conceive, there weren't Facebook groups, there weren't Instagram profiles, there weren't podcasts. And we are now, you know, so blessed to have so many of access to so many tools and resources to support us. I don't even think there was really many life coaches and people who supported others on like emotional and mental health level. So, you know, lots of us feel really called to give back and be like, this really helped me. I want to help others know this. And yeah, if you don't, if you haven't had a career in marketing and advertising and promotions and social media, how do you know where to start? So that's where I'm at now. I love it. It's feeling really simple and expansive and I'm excited for 2024. Amazing. Well, how can everyone continue to find you, work with you in whatever way that that is? I know you mentioned your podcast, your Instagram. Tell us more. Absolute best way to find out about me is to go to my Instagram at Robin Birkin. There, from there, you can go to my website. Um, we also have a business podcast called Well Conceived Business, where we drop weekly episodes. So if anyone is interested in you know tuning in to me, the Fertility Warriors podcast or Well Conceived Business is also where you can find me. Amazing. Well, thank you again for being here, sharing uh, all kinds of nuggets about yourself personally and professionally. Really love to hear more about you all the time. So thank you for being here. Thanks for, again, being bright and early when we're, or it's actually dark out now here for us in California, but um, it's been so, so great to connect with you today. It's been lovely to connect and thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.